If I was being a bit fussy, my parents would turn it on, and for two hours, I would be captivated with the dulcet tones of Neil Diamond. Just what you've been waiting for. Movies, TV, music, and more. Follow, subscribe, stay up to date. Episodes drop every other Monday. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, to celebrate Thanksgiving, I wanted to send out a thanks to everyone who listens to the podcast. It is a saturated field, and I truly appreciate the support. I also wanted to talk about my favorite turkeys. Bad movies that I thoroughly enjoy. Now, I believe I've talked about my fondness for the film Airheads, the one starring Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler. Yeah, that one. But I'll be honest, I'm way too lazy to go back and listen to my podcasts to find out. But that one's my favorite. That's always the answer. If it comes on the television, I have to watch it. It's a stupid, fun movie. So I'm going to focus on another turkey. No Holds Barred. Produced by Vince McMahon and starring Hulk Hogan, you can already imagine the quality of this film. Its plot is straightforward. Tom Brell, a ruthless TV executive looking to boost the ratings, tries to entice wrestling heavyweight champion Rip Thomas over to his low-rated world television network. After turning down the offer, Mr. Brell creates his own wrestling program, Battle of the Tough Guys, and finds an ex-convict, Zeus, as his star. After his brother Randy is hospitalized by Zeus, Rip vows revenge, and the two forces collide in a no-holds-barred match. It features wrestling commentary by Mean Gene Okerlund and Jesse the Body Ventura, along with the ring announcing of Howard Finkel. There are a couple of wrestler cameos here and there, so keep your eyes peeled for that. So to promote the movie, a crossover with WWF programming occurred when Zeus appeared in character on Saturday night's main event, attacking Hulk Hogan before his steel cage match with the Big Boss Man. The angle was that there was legitimate heat between Hulk Hogan and Zeus on the set of No Holds Barred. Over the next few months, a series of matches took place between the two. Zeus was portrayed by Tom Tiny Lister Jr. I will admit, as an eight-year-old, I was scared of the human wrecking machine. Who wouldn't be? He's six foot five, three hundred pounds with a unibrow and a Z shaved into his head. You wouldn't want to meet that in a dark alley. He's a character actor who would go on to appear in Universal Soldier, Friday, The Fifth Element, Jackie Brown, and Little Nicky. It was directed by Thomas J. Wright, who worked on the series Beauty and the Beast, The Twilight Zone, The X-Files, and Supernatural. 
The movie debuted at number two, earning almost $5 million at the box office, behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It would go on to gross over $16 million. It's not a very good movie. If you need proof, this is an excerpt of dialogue. Rip asks, What's that smell? The scared limousine driver says, Dookie. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. Despite this, there is something very comforting about this film. It's a solid B-movie. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's never boring. The action is pretty decent. Zeus is a formidable villain, and makes you doubt if Rip could actually defeat him. I mean, in the end, you know what happens. So what are some of your favorite bad movies, a.k.a. turkeys? Hit me up on social media using the hashtag MattWatchThat. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of five stars. One star is Skip It. Two stars Watch at Your Own Risk. Three stars Standard Fare. Four stars Worth Checking Out. And five stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing Soylent Green from 1973. It was directed by Richard Fleischer, who helmed epic 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, family film Dr. Doolittle, sci-fi adventure Fantastic Voyage, World War II drama Tora Tora Tora, and cult classic Red Sonja, and won an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature for Design for Death. Two fun facts for you. He also directed The Jazz Singer, not the groundbreaking 1927 movie starring Al Jolson, with the first appearance of Audible Dialogue. No, no, no. The 1980 film featuring Neil Diamond and Laurence Olivier. Apparently, I loved this movie as a child. If I was being a bit fussy, my parents would turn it on, and for two hours, I would be captivated with the dulcet tones of Neil Diamond. Number two, his father was Max Fleischer, a producer and animator who created Betty Boop and licensed Popeye the Sailor to be turned into a cartoon. The screenplay was written by Stanley R. Greenberg, who scribed episodes of The Defenders, The Bill Cosby Show, and Blind Ambition. It was based on the novel Make Room, Make Room by Harry Harrison. It stars Charlton Heston as NYPD detective Robert Thorne, best known for his roles in The Omega Man, The Ten Commandments, and Planet of the Apes. He won an Academy Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Ben-Hur. If you want a career retrospective, check out Season 1, Episode 12 of the Matt Forgot That podcast. Sol Roth is portrayed by Edward G. Robinson. The tough guy actor starred in Little Caesar, Double Indemnity, and Key Largo. His infamous quote, yeah, see, has been imitated by many actors, including Bugs Bunny, which is where I probably saw it for the first time. Tab Fielding is played by Chuck Connors, known on the big screen for Move Over Darling and Old Yeller and on television as the lead on The Rifleman. He started his career as an athlete, playing professionally in the National Basketball Association and Major League Baseball, one of 13 people to do so. Joseph Cotton has a brief role as William R. Simonson. The stage, screen, radio, and television star appeared in Citizen Kane, Shadow of a Doubt, Gaslight, and The Third Man. One of the biggest stars of the 40s and 50s, a celebrated actor, yet has never received an Academy Award nomination. This is something to look out for. 
This was the third and final film that Charlton Heston and Edward G. Robinson co-starred in together. Robinson would pass away four months before the film's release. So let's jump into it. The year is 2022. The population of New York City has skyrocketed to 40 million inhabitants. Overpopulation, unemployment, and the greenhouse effect have led to shortages in supplies and housing. Only the elite can afford luxuries, while the majority of the populace scrounge and hustle for the essentials. To mitigate the deficiencies, the Soylent Corporation developed high-energy vegetable concentrate called Soylent Red and Yellow. They released a new product, Soylent Green, which was created with high-energy plankton gathered from the oceans of the world. One night, William R. Simonson, a board member of the Soylent Corporation, is murdered in his apartment. NYPD detective Robert Thorne from the 14th Precinct is called upon to investigate. Here's a quote without context. You know, when I was a kid, food was food. Before our scientific magicians poisoned the water, polluted the soil, decimated plant and animal life. Soylent Green is a cautionary tale that more accurately predicted the future than other science fiction movies. While most people thought that we'd have jetpacks and flying cars by now, author Harry Harrison saw the negative effects that overpopulation, climate change, and supply shortages would have. The events depicted in the film are more extreme, but the timeline of events is pretty accurate in what we're experiencing now. Even though a dystopian future is portrayed, that's the only science fiction element in the movie. It's similar to Mad Max than Blade Runner. It has more aspects of a crime or mystery movie. I've never liked Charlton Heston as an actor. He's too over the top for me, but it's much subtler in this movie, and his performance is fitting. There is nothing truly offensive from an acting standpoint. Everyone does an adequate job. Now, I'm not gonna spoil the ending, but I've been aware of the twist. In the television series Millennium, starring Lance Henriksen, to log into the Millennium Group's computers, you had a voice recognition password, and they used famous science fiction movie quotes. One of them was Open the Pod Bay Doors, Hal, from 2001. The other came from this movie. Despite this, I was pleasantly surprised with how the twist was executed. Now for a little trivial trivia. The film title was changed from Make Room, Make Room, the name of the original novel, to Soylent Green so people wouldn't confuse it as a spin-off of the hit television series Make Room for Daddy, which had a short-lived sequel series in 1970 called Make Room for Granddaddy. I'm sure millions of dollars were spent on focus groups, and some marketing exec got paid a huge bonus for that decision. Soylent Green was produced by Walter Seltzer and Russell Thatcher. It was filmed at Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, The Promenade in Marina del Rey, and MGM Studios. It would be the last film shot on the MGM Studios backlot in Culver City, California. The cinematography was captured by Richard H. Klein, whose filmography includes The Andromeda Strain, Star Trek The Motion Picture, Death Wish 2, Howard the Duck, and was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Cinematography of Camelot and King Kong. It was edited by Samuel E. Beatley, who worked on episodes of The Four-Star Playhouse, The Rifleman, Zane Grey Theater, and was nominated for two Academy Awards for Best Film Editing of The Longest Day and Dr. Doolittle. The score was composed by Fred Myro, who worked on the music for Phantasm, its sequels, and Survival Quest. The soundtrack featured classical pieces by Mozart, Tchaikovsky, and Beethoven. The runtime is 1 hour 39 minutes. 
I had trouble finding budget and box office information, but I think it grossed $8.1 million. I could be wrong. On the Ski Index, I give it 4 out of 5 stars. If you've seen Soylent Green and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. The Iron Claw tells the heartbreaking story of the Von Erich family, wrestling royalty whose father Fritz ran world-class championship wrestling in Dallas, Texas. Five out of his six sons became involved in the business and were the cornerstone of WCCW. Their feud with Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, and Terry Gordy, collectively known as the Fabulous Freebirds, led to many unforgettable matches and legitimate riots in the arenas. While the Von Erichs could be remembered for their incredible wrestling abilities and enthusiastic personalities, they're mostly known for their personal tragedies. Now for those who plan on seeing the movie, fast forward about two minutes, because I'm going to spoil some things for you. So their first child, Jack Von Erich, was electrocuted and drowned in a puddle at the age of six. Their third son, David, died of acute enteritis while on tour in Tokyo, Japan, though fellow wrestlers claim that drugs might have been involved. He was 25. Their fifth child, Mike, committed suicide at 23 by overdosing on the sleeping pill Placidil. Their youngest son, Chris, committed suicide via self-inflicted gunshot at the age of 21. Their fourth child, Kerry Von Erich, wrestled in the WWF as the Texas Tornado, and once defeated Ric Flair in front of 50,000 fans at Texas Stadium to win the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, committed suicide with a gunshot to his heart. He was 33. Their second oldest son, Kevin Von Erich, is still alive and has managed to avoid the pitfalls that some of his brothers fell into. He's been married since 1980 and has four children, 11 grandchildren. His two sons are currently signed to Major League Wrestling under the monikers Marshall and Ross Von Erich. The movie The Iron Claw is named after the patented finishing maneuver of the Von Erich family, where you basically palm your opponent's head like a basketball and squeeze your fingertips into their skull. The film stars high school musicals Zac Efron, the Bear and Shameless alum Jeremy Allen White, News Radio's Maura Tierney, Lily James from Downton Abbey, and current AEW World Champion, MJF. The wrestling was supervised by former WCW and WWE superstar Chavo Guerrero of the legendary Guerrero family. He also worked on the television series Glow as wrestling coordinator. The trailer looks incredible. It's shot really well. The wrestling looks realistic for the time, and it could be my wrestling prejudice showing, but it might have the potential for some awards. I've selected a couple of clips that feature the Von Erich family, the Iron Claw trailer, a match of the Von Erichs vs. the Fabulous Freebirds, the classic confrontation between Kerry Von Erich and Ric Flair, and Kevin Von Erich applying the Iron Claw at TNA's Slammiversary. These clips are all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Spy. 
Written and directed by Paul Feig, the mind behind Freaks and Geeks, who also helmed episodes of Arrested Development, Bored to Death, Nurse Jackie, The Office, and big screen blockbusters Bridesmaids and The Heat. It tells the story of Susan Cooper, an analyst for the CIA, who is tasked with going undercover when her partner is killed in action, and other agents in the organization have been compromised. It includes an all-star cast, led by Melissa McCarthy, Breakout from Bridesmaids, Jude Law plays her deceased partner, Bradley Fine, in a rare comedic role, Allison Janney is the deputy director of the CIA, Elaine Brocker, Jason Statham plays secret agent Rick Ford. British actress and television star Miranda Hart plays Susan's co-worker and best friend, who has a tiny crush on a popular rapper. Then we have Rose Byrne playing antagonist Raina Boyanov, who was incredible in Damages. It also features Sam Richardson, Katie Dippold, Carlos Ponce, Morena Baccarin, and Bobby Cannavale. Now, I watched the movie once when it first came to HBO and remember liking it, but I don't think I'd seen it again. But recently, I was on a Melissa McCarthy kick and bought the Blu-ray, and I enjoyed it so much more the second, third, and fourth time around. It has moved into the films that I watch when I'm falling asleep. It's a highly entertaining movie and fun watching people who don't typically get cast in comedic roles to show off their funny bones. Jason Statham, another person that I don't immediately think funny, but he was amazing in this role. He would pop up in scenes, deliver a punchline, and then leave. So friggin' funny. And I was glad to see Miranda Hart cast in a Hollywood movie. She had her own series in England called Miranda, which was remade in America as Call Me Cat. The whole cast is great, and on YouTube, they have bloopers and alternate takes that are just as funny as what's in the movie. This is thumbs up for me. As a comedy in the 2010s, it's definitely up there. I'd give it four and a half stars. There you have it, my recommendation for this episode, Melissa McCarthy in Spy. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. The cinematography was captured by Richard H. Klein, whose filmography includes The Aramada Man. Even though a dystopian future is portrayed, that's the only scientifical... Scientifical. Overpopulation, underemployment... Underemployment? I think I just made up a new stat.